the name of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Please be seated. I just wanted to call. I just wanted to call you out on the fact that y'all just sit on down when you're ready. I like it. So I, you know, sometimes Vanessa will ask me when I'm preparing for a sermon. Every now and then, she'll ask me what texts are our texts for the day. So she does that this week. But see, I've learned over the years, because this thing comes up every three years in Genesis, right? This whole story of Adam. So I've learned, don't answer that question in the evening, or me and Briscoe and Herschel will be in the doghouse together. <laughs> so I waited till the morning. And I said, let me just read you a line from the text, honey. Let me just read you a line. And he slept. Then he took one of his ribs and closed it up, up its place with flesh. And the rib that the Lord God had taken from the man, he made into a woman and brought her to the man. And then the man said, this is last is bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. This one shall be called woman. For out of man this was taken. I let it lie. That's what the text said. I just let it lie. And then Vanessa looked at me and she said, why don't you read that last line? Therefore, a man leaves his father and his mother and clings to his wife, and they become one flesh. And she said, look who's doing the clinging. <laughs> She's like, I ain't trying to cling with you. I can never win with her. Never, ever win with her. This is the lesson I've learned from this text. No, really, all jest aside, that's kind of fun and joking, and it's good to have fun. And that's really not at all what this text is about. And unfortunately, this text has been used that way to, to subjugate women underneath men, which is really just a narrow, narrow reading of Genesis and the creation story and what's really going on here. I mean, it's fun to play with if you really want to test your marriage a little bit. It's fun to, to, to try that, but I don't recommend it uh, on a normal. And if you do it, do it in the morning so you have all day to make it up. I'm talking to you men out there. You have all day to make it up. Or if you have a witty wife like mine, she'll remind you who's clinging to who. And really the clingy part is important. Not that the man's clinging to his wife, but that we cling together. You see, so God has created this wonderful creation. And Adam exists in that creation. And he's named all the animals. We heard that in the text. He's named all the animals. And yet none of them seems to fill the loneliness or the isolation that he feels, or that at least that God senses that Adam feels in creation. Somewhere along the way, something's missing. All the animals have pairs and partners, and they come in groups. There's, there's community already within the animal kingdom. Adam's named them all, and it's all plural in the text. There were birds, and there were beasts. Not just one, but multiple ones. And yet, there's only one human. And somewhere God seems to be moved by this, which is an interesting thing that we often don't read in this part of the text, that God seems to be moved by the fact that this wonderful creation that God has made, something's missing. Maybe not that God made a mistake, but God needed to do something differently. So God makes a partner for Adam, calls Adam into community. Just like the animals that Adam had named, now Adam is in community with another human being. And of course, we know now that from there, we, humanity starts to take form in its large sense. And I think this is important. 
Because a lot of the times, particularly today, we forget the importance of community, of relationships, of being together, of being companions to one another. Sometimes in our day and age, we like to break relationships, we like to break uh, friendships, we like to break all sorts of ways that we interact with one another over all sorts of reasons that probably if we take a step back are so petty that we've missed the mark. I think God weeps with us when relationships fall apart. And I don't mean just marriages. I mean lasting, lifelong friendships that shatter over things that were probably reconcilable. I think God weeps when church relationships and church communities divide over things that are so petty and so unimportant for the sake of the gospel. You see, we humans, we're so fracturous that we assume that we, we can break away and find something that's not real, that we can find something that's built around our comfort and our, our ability to be and our, our willingness, our willingness to be in relationship. We form these really false communities built on some kind of homogeneity, some kind of uniformity, which isn't, isn't, really, isn't really true. It's not real Christian community. It's not the community that God intended when he created a partner for Adam. Because we know what's coming in the story. Adam and Eve are going to get a little bit at odds with one another over who ate the fruit first and whose fault it was. Adam, of course, being like any man, is going to say, that woman that you gave me made me do it. Which we have a very narrow view, us men, of what's right and what's wrong. And of course, Eve is going to say, I didn't make him do it. That thing made me do it. They're going to be at odds with one another. But Adam and Eve never separate. They never break apart. Even though this very disastrous events going to happen in their life together and they're equally to blame for it they don't divide they don't break up they don't separate and that's tough that's tough because relationships of all shapes and sizes we try to be in we try to be connected to one another in our gospel today we talk about something that's tough it's really tough to talk about. And Becky, I joked with Becky because Becky was originally going to preach today and then I, I, I swapped with her and now I'm thinking I should not have swapped with her. But she said to me after we swapped, she said, you can take all that marriage stuff and figure that out. And the reality is it's hard. It's hard to hear the words of Jesus, especially on the heels of last week's gospel where Jesus says it's better to gouge out your eye, cut off your hand, dash your foot. I mean, all these different things to maim yourself because you can't control your impulses uh, then to, to, so you can enter the kingdom of God. And Taken literally, we all probably wonder what we're doing here today if we take all that quite literally. And again, I think that misses the point. In the gospel story today, Jesus talks about divorce. Now, you've got to contextualize it, right? So, in the creation story, we're not talking about marriage with Adam and Eve. Nowhere is that mentioned in Genesis, that they were married. So, let's just drop that. Because to only think of Adam and Eve as a married couple, in the sense that we think about marriage, you've missed the whole point of Genesis and the importance of that relationship and companionship between all of humanity. 
So we've got to be able to live there with that. Adam and Eve are a picture of what relationships between people look like. In the gospel story, we hit a very hard topic on divorce. And Jesus comes down pretty harsh. And here's why he comes down pretty harsh. Because they're trying to trap him. And that's the context that's important in our gospel story. They're trying to hold him to account. What they want, what the Pharisees want to have happen to Jesus is they want him to go against some teaching of Moses so that Herod or somebody in power will lock him up and potentially kill him. The Pharisees are so sick and tired of Jesus challenging their order. Because for the Pharisees and the religious leaders, the law for them is the end. For Jesus, everything he's taught them up to this point seems to to help us realize that the law is not the end, it's the means to the end. It's the means to better relationships. It's the means to a better relationship with God and with each other. It shows us and holds us to a standard so that we are constantly living into righteousness and that we're constantly being, uh, being made new. And that's where the law leads us. So when they come at Jesus on this very, with this very narrow question, Jesus has to operate in a very narrow way to call them out. And that's what Jesus does. When they say, is it lawful for a man to divorce his wife? And, and then he says their heart is apart. And here's why he says that. This is the context that we don't ever like to hear, but we need to hear it. In that day and age, a man for about any reason could divorce his wife. That's pretty much was the custom. If you go study Josephus and the Jewish history, you will see that pretty much, and that's really not true to the law, but pretty much a man could divorce his wife. Now, what did that mean for the woman? That meant she had zero standing in community. She had zero relationships with her family, with his family. She had no way to make money to work. She, if they survived a divorce, if they survived, that was unheard of because they had no way to feed themselves, clothe themselves, shelter, anything. As far as the community gathered was concerned in that particular village or town, they didn't exist anymore. So that's the kind of power those Pharisees had over their wives and what men had over their wives. And Jesus knows that from the law that came down the mountain from Moses till now, this this hard system had developed that missed the whole point. And notice what Jesus does to rebut them. He doesn't go back to an example of marriage. He goes back to an example of relationship by talking about the Genesis story that we heard today and talking about man and woman clinging together, talking about relationship. Because ultimately, what is Jesus constantly doing in his ministry? He's constantly bringing back, reconciling relationships that have been broken or lost for all sorts of reasons, whether it be sinful reasons, whether it be illness, whether it be poor choices, whether it be power and authority, deciding a group of people don't get to be involved or included. Jesus is constantly bringing people back. Jesus longs for people to be be in relationship with one another. Now, I've sat with many a couple, many a couple who were going on the verge of a divorce or going, getting ready to initiate a divorce. And nowhere in my time have I met a couple who ever looked at me and said, yay, we're going to do this. 
Never once have I met a couple who was excited about what lay before them. Now, 92% of the couples I sat with were better apart than they were together. Their vows that they had taken, had, they, had no long, they were no longer able to honor those vows. And I have to imagine, I used to sit with those couples and say, because the number one question you get from anybody in that world is, am I going to the bad place because I'm getting a divorce? Doesn't the gospel say that now I'm committing adultery? And I can't I keep thinking to myself, what, what have we done? What have we done to people? Because it misses the whole point. Yeah, Jesus says that. But Jesus also says we should gouge out our eyeballs. So who wants to go first? It's not to say that's not important. If we take it at the surface and we take it completely out of the context of Mark or the other Gospels, we miss the whole point. Which is what I tell couples all the time. And I don't know if it's the right thing. I've learned it from a few other priests who are far more mature than, and wiser than I that I think in those moments God weeps for that broken relationship just as they were weeping for their broken relationship because ultimately God longs for us to be together. But I also think God weeps when we as a human family don't come around both of those individuals and hold them and support them and assume that we know what's best and decide to judge them accordingly, which is what I saw a lot. If I had a couple in one church who were getting a divorce, it was always hard to watch the church family get behind one and not the other. Where the church family had decided they were judge, jury, and executioner, and they had decided this person was more wrong than that person, so we will love this person and not this person. And I think God weeps for that. Because ultimately, what does God want for us? He wants us to be in community. He wants us to be connected to one another. He doesn't want us to break relationships. But it happens. It happens. And if we understand the context of the gospel, and we understand the context of Jesus' ministry, when that happens, nobody is outside of the forgiveness and love of God through Jesus Christ. That's the reality. That's why we don't gouge out our eyeballs and cut off our hands and our feet so we can enter the kingdom. We enter the kingdom because Jesus, who ultimately will let the religious leaders kill him, and gave those religious leaders the best gift they ever had, which was life eternal, gives us the same gift each and every day. That's the reality of what we're talking about here. The story doesn't end with a broken relationship. The story ends with our ability to pick ourselves up and work to reconcile with one another and build those common bonds of humanity that were forged in creation, that were forged with Adam and Eve, the things that bind us together. We don't look for estrangement. We don't look for differences as a reason to separate. We look for unity in the diversity that exists within creation. That's the reality of the Christian message. That's what we're talking about here today. We're not talking about divorce or marriage. We're talking about real, God-given, honest relationships with one another. Relationships built on hope and trust and forgiveness and reconciliation and love. Now, Jesus gives us something, gives us a tool by, way, by which we can see how we might do this later in the gospel story. The little children are coming to him. And the disciples, of course, thinking they know what's best, start trying to push them away. And Jesus reminds them that it's to these 
that the kingdom of God belongs. So what do we make of that if we understand relationships and we understand what trust is and, and we work on building those bonds of humanity? Part of me thinks that we have to look to those young ones in our lives. Now, Lennox, who's walking around the room right now, I don't think he's ever met a stranger. I don't think he's ever met... Sometimes he's a little reserved, but he starts smiling and giggling and wants to be with everybody. He wants to be with everybody. Children teach us trust. They teach us humility. They teach us how to wonder. They teach us how to explore. They teach us how to forgive. I can think of my niece and nephew who are much older than Lennox, who teach me and my brother and my, my sister-in-law how to forgive. It's these little ones in our lives that show us how we find the kingdom of God. It's these little children in our lives that show us how to love one another. It's these little children that show us how to trust. It's these little children that show us how to be in relationship with one another. It's these little children that give us the window into the kingdom of God in its purest sense. That's how we find real relationship. We look to the youngins in our life. We look to the innocent. We look to the humble to help us remember and to reconnect with that part of our life. That part of our life that trusted more than was reserved. That part of our life that loved more than hated. That part of our life that forgived more openly and freely than pushed people away. That part of our life that reconciles with those who are different or wrong or have upset us. It's these little ones that show us who God is and what the kingdom looks like, who show us how to be in relationship. So you see, today is really not about divorce or marriage. It's about our ability as people to be in relationship with one another, as a church family, as families, as communities, as cities, as countries. How are we going to hold ourselves together? How are we going to love? How are we going to forgive? How are we going to hold each other? How are we going to hold each other? Amen.